thing to get. I mean, you think I love that saying that all ground is level at the foot of the cross. And um, he loves us all. We are in Psalm 139 this morning. I want to read the first six verses. And we've been talking about seeing God clearly. And today we want to talk about how he is the all-knowing God. Just think about it. He knows it and loves you anyway. So anyway, turn with me, Psalm 139. I'm going to read the first six verses. If you will stand in our great God's honor. Oh Lord, you have searched me and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise you perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You are familiar with all my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you know it completely, O Lord. You hem me in behind and before. You have laid your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too lofty for me to attain. Let's pray. Dear God, you are the real know-it-all. You are the one who knows. And as we come to you, Lord, where else should we go? Or who else is all-knowing? Who else? We worship you this morning. And I thank you for the opportunity to worship you to this point. For the music and prayers and opportunities to lift up others, to intercede. God, to give um, all of it for you. Uh, Father, may we continue in this hour set aside to give it all to you. Guide us, Lord. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Boy, how things have changed, I know, since I was young. Um, the word gay meant happy way how things have changed um, the word equity really just meant treat everybody with respect regardless of who it is they're made in God's image and so you should respect them justice didn't need any other words in front of that word it just means that all people should obey the law. That all people should hold to the rules that keep the community together. We spoke of justice. And when I heard the word trans, all I could think of was transatlantic. To go across the ocean. I never dreamed that statues would be toppled. That there were those who would want to rewrite the basic things that I'd always known in history. Uh, and if you wanted to find out information, we had a set of encyclopedias that you could go to, and we would get a new volume each year to update our information because, you know, stuff changed. You had to have more information. Or if you really needed to know stuff, you would go to the public library, the House of Info, Check out what you needed to know. Uh, certainly knew nothing 
about computers or smartphones. When I thought a phone, the only phones we knew, first they were what we called a rotary dial. I'm dating myself here, I realize. Later, we really moved up in the world to push button. But with a rotary dial, you get that number. And, and, and then, man, as far as uh, we talk about reception on our phones today, well, our reception was dependent upon uh, the spirally cord on the phones that we had hanging on the wall or sitting on the da- desk. And depending on, you know, if you had it made, you had one of those long spirally cords. So when you could walk, it would stretch out a little bit further. And that would increase your reception or how far you could go <laughs> in your house. But there is no way that my parents would have ever dreamed about the stuff we call phones now. I mean, that was reserved for Dick Tracy or Star Trek, you know, with the communicators. Uh, we never would have dreamed. I mean, I mean, when I was a kid, I just wanted walkie-talkies that had a five-mile radius that I could use. Things have drastically changed. And I saw, um, maybe it was a co- podcast, or I don't remember if it was something I saw on YouTube or a podcast, talking about artificial intelligence and how quickly that technology is changing. And it said that there were only three major players in the world for artificial intelligence. There was Google, there was a company owned by Elon Musk, and a British company that was purchased by Google. And that, uh, it, this thing I had said, it was a couple years old, because it said, I think in this year, I think it was 2022, that the ability of artificial intelligence would double what we'd be able to do. And so, knowledge is changing quickly, and it's changing drastically, but it has not changed for our God. Our God is all-knowing. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever, and His concept of knowledge is not limited or confined like ours. Makes me think of a guy that he would call named Philip, and uh, he went and he tried to round up some of his friends when he had had an encounter with Jesus Christ. And they said, can anything good come out of Nazareth? And he said, come and see, guys. He said to me, there is an Israelite in which there is no guile or no deceit. And he was just amazed that Jesus was able to see him and know him. And Jesus said to him, he said, how did you know that? And he said, when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. And he exclaimed, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. Now, we don't know the details of what really happened under that fig tree. We just know that this impressed this disciple. He, he was, Philip was, and Nathaniel, was, they were impressed because of how God spoke, how he revealed himself, how he knew what nobody else should know. And then there was Jesus when he healed a paralytic, and the Pharisees came to him, and they said, you can't do this stuff on the Sabbath. It's a day reserved to rest for God. Nobody can forgive sins but God alone. And I love this in the text, it says, Jesus, knowing their hearts, said to them, 
Why are you thinking evil in your hearts? So he knew. He knew. Our God, someone has said that power and knowledge are linked together. And so someone who has all knowledge has all power. And that is our God. And we're going to look here in Psalm 139. First, we're going to look at the fact that God's knowledge is immeasurable. He says, he starts out, he says, Oh Lord, you have searched me and you know me. You see, our knowledge, it, it grows as, as we grasp knowledge, as we are exposed to more knowledge. But God doesn't learn. He already knows. He's already fully aware. That is his nature. That is who he is. I know guys say, man, I just don't understand women. And women say, I don't understand guys. And us parents all say, we don't understand teenagers. But God understands it all. Regardless of what stage that we are in in our lives, our knowledge is accumulated. God's is complete. He has that complete picture from all angles. This is from Isaiah 40. Who has understood the mind of the Lord or instructed him as his counselor? Whom did the Lord consult to enlighten him? Who taught him knowledge or showed the path of understanding? One of Job's three friends, Elihu, in Job 37, he described God as him who is perfect in knowledge. There is false teaching out there. It's called open theism, and it is the idea that God does not know everything in His creation, but that He is constantly learning. We don't have a God who is blindsided. He describes Himself clearly in the Revelation, the Scriptures, that He is the God who knows it all. He is the all-knowing God, the God we can completely trust because He is not confined from the past and the present and the future, but he sees it all clearly. He is not limited in any manner. It says in 1 John 3, 20, that God knows all things. His knowledge is immeasurable. We can't fully comprehend it. He's bigger than we are. It says in Isaiah 55, 8, 9, that his thoughts are higher than our thoughts. His ways than our ways. That is our God. Not only is his knowledge immeasurable, but guys, it's instructional. Look at verse 4. He says, Before a word is on my tongue, O Lord, you know it completely. You've hemmed me in behind and before. You have laid your hand upon me. God, as he's described with that pronoun, you, it is emphatic. In other words, God, you really, fully, completely, Know me. Notice how the psalm says it here. He, he, he says, you know when I sit. And you know when I rise. You know those details of my life, Lord. Where, where they seem to be insignificant. But you are aware, God. You care about the little things in my life. He says, you perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. Lord, you are familiar with all my ways. You see, what we know about God, we know because he has chosen to reveal it to us. But what God knows about us is complete. He has a complete 
thorough understanding of us. Even the small details of our lives, He knows it all. When you look at Scripture, one-fourth of it is what we call prophecy. It is predictions about what will happen. Many of these predictions have happened as they were predicted in the Scriptures. And there are many others. As a matter of fact, over 300 Scriptures that pr have predictions about Jesus Christ. Things like uh, where He would be born. Uh, things specifically about His ministry. Things about His coming. Things about His death. And so the list goes on. And all of these prophecies, these 300 prophecies, many of them already have come true. And thus we have a confidence that the rest of them will come true, will be completed. And the chances of all these prophecies happening, it's just impossible in human terms. It is just a sign that He truly is God. Because this could not happen by chance. In one commentary, there's this illustration I want to read it to you because it's above my head. I can't keep up with it. But this guy says, let's imagine you have ten pennies in your pocket and they are marked each penny by number. One through ten, one, two, three, so forth, the ten. He says, if you close your eyes and pull a penny out of your pocket, there's a one in ten chance that you'll pull out number one. Penny number one. But... Those chances become tougher if you attempt to do that and pull out penny number two so that you have penny number one and penny number two in order. He says, the odds of being able to do that are one in 100. So if you go forth with this, pulling out penny number one in order, number two, number three, number four, all the way up to number 10 in consecutive order, the odds of that would be 1 in 10 billion. And that's just 10 pennies. We're talking about 300 predictions or prophecies about Jesus Christ, who Jesus Christ is, what He accomplished, why He came. It, it's clear that our God has come and that He loves us and that He died for us in His prophecies. John 14, 29, it says, And now I have told you before it comes, so that when it does come to pass, you may believe. What he has predicted, what has happened, what has come true, it is to support our faith. It is to encourage us. It is to remind us that we can trust our God because he knows it all. He goes on. Uh, it's individual. He says, Lord, you've searched me. Lord, you know me, you know when I see it, you know when I rise, you discern my going out, you discern my lying down, oh, good nap, that's good, you're, you're familiar with all my ways, Lord, you perceive my thoughts from afar, God, you know me, you are familiar with all my ways, individual God is is not some distant God that does not want to be involved in your life he is a God that wants to walk with you he is a God that wants to be with you through what you face what you are facing and what you will face 
Now, when we look at the scriptures and he wants to speak to us and he wants to teach us, I want to just mention a couple of steps. Number one, you, you start reading in the scriptures, you, you observe what is written. You read it and you say, oh, wow, look at that verse. I never noticed that. I'm amazed. I've read the Bible a number of times and I'll read something and say, I never noticed that before. And that always happens. Why? Because God speaks even what I saw before I haven't seen. Because God has to reveal it to me. And, and so I have to observe it. And then once I observe it, I move to that next stage from observation to interpretation. What is God saying? What does this mean? What is He trying to say to me? That is interpretation. And then finally there's application. What does it mean to me personally? God, you're trying to say something specifically to me right now. At this moment, as I read this text, the Holy Spirit makes it come alive to me personally so that I will hear from you, God. It's what I desperately need. It's what I need to know. J.I. Packer said, If we pursue theological knowledge for its own sake, it's bound to go bad on us. It will make us proud and conceited, the very greatness of the subject matter will intoxicate us. There are those who are always looking for that great uncovered truth, that nugget in God's mind that nobody else has found so that I can be able to say, let me share something with you you've never heard before. But the truth of the matter is, God is always speaking to us, And it is not about me uncovering some deep truth. It's about Him revealing to me what I need to know to hear Him. To follow Him. To be able to seek Him. And to serve Him. And to know Him. In verse 17 he says, How precious are your thoughts to me, O God. How vast is the sum of them. Were I to count them, they would outnumber the grains of sin. He said, When I awake, I am still with you. He's desperate for God. He's hungry for God. He wants to hear from God. Think about I, I, the latest count. I can't keep up with how many people are on the earth, but the last time I read and checked, it said there are 7.9 billion people. I don't even know what that means. That's such a big number. I can't fathom that. But what I do get is that he speaks to me. Praise be God when you all say that. And that he can hear all 7.9 billion people. Now that has to be God. Why? I have trouble hearing one person uh, these days. It says in Proverbs 5, For a man's ways are in full view of the Lord, and he examines all his paths. Think about it. He knows exactly where you are. And he knows you. He knows what you need. And you can confidently trust Him as a result. He perceives our thoughts from afar. He knows. He knows no matter where it is. He know, no matter when it is. He is fully aware. And He can help you no matter how unsettling whatever it is that you're facing. He knows it about you. And He knows specifically what you need. I love uh, Hebrews chapter 4. Uh, a lot of times uh, it's popped in Baptist Church. We quote verse 12. That the word of God is living and active. And it's so true that it's sharper than any double-edged sword. That it penetrates 
the, the, the body and the, and the joints and, and the marrow, all of that, that it judges the thoughts and the attitudes of the heart. But listen to the next verse. He says, nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. He sees it all. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him to whom we must give an account. It is impossible to hide from our God. When a criminal goes before a judge, a judge has to pronounce a sentence. He has to give a verdict based on the information that he is able to see. Based upon the witnesses. Based on what he is able to discover, he makes his verdict. We have a God who sees it all. And so his verdict is always right. People do, do not get sentenced to a crime wrongly by our God because, man, he knows our sin. He sees our sin and he is he's fully aware of it. And part of his knowledge, I want to close it, is the inspirational aspect of it um, that we can know. that This idea that you've hemmed me in behind and before you've laid your hand upon me uh, he he is fully around us he has us nestled he has us protected uh, he he is comforting us he says such knowledge it's too wonderful for me too lofty for me to attain it's impossible for me fully to grasp the depth of how completely you know me lord and how you are there for me and how you are fully protecting me matter of fact he closes this psalm he says god since you know me like this here here's my request he says search me O god and know my heart try me and know my thoughts see if there be any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting in other words the psalmist comes to grips and he says well there's no sense playing games with you god you've got me pegged so, Lord, you have permission to just lay it out so that I'll be honest before you. And go ahead, Lord. It's going to hurt. <laughs> but I give you permission to let me see what you already see so that I can come to you and be forgiven and so that I can quit that pattern that is hurting my life and those around me and so that things can change for your glory, Lord. With that in mind, consider this. He knows the worst about you. I don't care what it is. That thing that you've been trying to hide from everybody else that you desperately want to make sure nobody finds out. And it may be something even the person closest to you doesn't know. And you want to keep it that way. Think about it, though. He already knows it. It's not hidden from God. I love Jeremiah 23, 24 in the New Century Version. He says, um, no one can hide from me, says the Lord. I fill all of heaven and earth, says the Lord. You can't play hide and go seek with the Lord. He sees the worst about you. He knows what you want to desperately keep hidden from everyone around you. He knows it, and he still loves you. He still cares about you. He still wants to forgive you. And secondly, he knows the best about us. Sometimes we feel beaten down. Why in the world would God love me? 
how can he put up with me one more time when I have asked forgiveness for this sin 9,347 times and I still keep doing it? And God says, oh, my child, but I see things about you that are beautiful, that you are mine, that you are made in my image, and how you serve me and love me. God knows the worst about us. God knows the best about us. He knows it all. Remember Peter? He was the guy who acted before he used his brain. A lot of times that got him in some serious trouble. Jesus said, uh, Pete, I know you've just declared that you are going to be right there for me, protecting me. You will never reject me. You will never run away. But let me tell you what's going to happen, Peter. You're going to reject me three times. And, and we know the story. We know what happened to Peter. The guy who Jesus changed his name to Rock, and he certainly didn't look like a rock when you look at his rejection of Jesus Christ. But then Jesus met him. And Jesus restored him. And he said, Peter, do you love me? Man, he sees Peter. He sees the worst of Peter. He sees the best of Peter. And, and he just asked him that penetrating question. Peter, do you love me? And Peter said, yes, Lord. So he asked him again. Peter, do you love me? Lord, you know I love you. And then three times, one for each of those times of rejection, Jesus restored him. And I love it because in the text, uh, Peter says, Lord, you know all things. And you know I love you. You know my heart, Lord. 1 John 3.20, if our hearts condemn us, we know God is greater than our hearts. He knows everything. So wherever you are today, maybe you are riding the, the tidal wave of faithfulness to God. And people are looking at you and saying, man, I'm riding that wave of grace. If you want to know how to follow Jesus, just look over here. Maybe you're about to drown because <laughs> you, you've fallen off the board and you can't even come up to get air. But regardless of where you are, he's there. He's the all-knowing God, and he also has said, I love you so much, I sent my son. Let's pray. God, uh, I thank you that although you are all-knowing, you are also all-loving and you have chosen, having known us, Lord, to die for us. What a thought, Lord. And Father, if, if you're a God that's too small to know us, then you're a God that's too small to save us. We are grateful that you are a God big enough Big enough, Lord, we come to you and we worship you as that God who knows us and has chosen to give it all for us, Lord. 
Father, as we think of a time to come to you and to trust you, Father, you know each need here today, each need for those who are listening. Father, and, and you invite us to come to you, Lord. You know exactly where we are. Father, may we run to you because that is where our hope is. That is where help is available. And so, Father, we just ask you to move in this place, in the hearts of those listening. God, um, just say far more than I ever could. Lord, may your spirit minister to us. In Christ's name we pray.